data privacy, cyber warfare, dyslexia, learning accommodations, and lots more today on the K-12 Engineering Education Podcast. I'm Pius Wong. My guest this episode is Nicole Bashong, a cybersecurity professional in Texas. Nicole gives her candid thoughts on hot issues in cybersecurity today, and she also talks about her own educational path as a woman in tech and someone with learning disabilities. My name is Nicole Bashong. I am a cybersecurity expert. I have a bachelor's in computer information systems and a master's in information systems security from the University of Houston. I currently work as a security analyst for NG North America. NG is one of the global leaders in renewable energy. I also am the chair of the board of directors of WISA-CUH, which stands for Women in Cybersecurity. So it's one of the the only cybersecurity clubs at University of Houston right now, and we do a lot of awareness work, and we, our mission is to help eliminate the gender gap in cybersecurity. So we provide different kind of workshops and speaking events, and we partner with other groups to have conferences and cybersecurity events, and um, we create a community. So it's, it's really exciting work. And I also um, volunteer with HUSECON. Um, on uh, It's the Houston Security Conference. Okay. Um, so it's in its ninth year. And so I'm also on the planning committee with that. And I help volunteers and like getting students from different universities to volunteer. And I used to do that when I was a student and it's really rewarding. So now I'm also helping with the planning of it. So I'm excited. Wow. That's cool. You yeah. do a ton of stuff that I didn't know about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's awesome. <laughs> What is cybersecurity, first of all, for people listening who might not know what that is? Okay, so cybersecurity, it's beyond just IT security, so information technology. There's so many different words to explain it. But when you talk about cyber, it's everything that is related to the internet or is computerized. And with securing those systems is making sure that you keep to the three main tenants and um which is confidentiality, integrity, and availability. Okay. And making sure those systems, those tools, that data stays secure, stays confidential. Only the people who are allowed to see it, sees it. It is what it is. So the integrity, you know, it's not altered. It's, it is what it's supposed to be. And then it's available to those who need to access it when they need to access it. And one of the biggest things we get taught early on is a secure system. It's a system that does exactly what it's supposed to do and nothing else. Because what happens in security is that there's vulnerabilities and you find these exploits and that's where hackers and people who have malintent can really do a lot of harm. So we're securing computers, but it's beyond that. It's the internet of things. It it touches everywhere where cyber integrates with our life and so it's being cyber aware which is beyond computer literacy and understanding your actions on the web and your actions on these computers and how they really can affect your life and how people can really screw up those things and cause you a lot of headaches i can imagine there's lots of stories yeah what would you say would be the big draw to you 
in this field? Like, why were you studying it? Uh, I So I have a very interesting history of how I came here. Because before I, I was, I went into computers. I did theater. I was a theater stage manager um, in New York, not making any money. And realized I wanted to be able to pay my bills. And okay. I was like, okay. So um, money is an issue. Well, there, that's one of the, yeah. you can make good money in cyber that is definitely a part of it but for me I went into technology first so computer information systems but then they had all of these tracks they had like database they had programming they had networking but what was really great about security is that it took all of them together and it added an additional challenge so I always seek that challenge and then also for the type of human being I am, I want to give back to society. I want to help society. And I really believe cybersecurity is a way to do that. Even teaching someone to think before they click on a link in an email um, and start to think, okay, maybe this is a phishing email. Or start becoming aware of what risk and ways to solve these problems before they become nightmares. It's a way that we can help society and we can fight back and we can protect people in a new way because more and more cyber is going to be integrated into our lives and more and more that will can create vulnerabilities. And until humans change and there's not going to be people like trying to steal things and when, when we're perfect people. Yeah. Perfect. When, when, human, yeah, when our Trek civilization world. is perfect and there's no more crime that's when we will no longer have to secure ourselves but even then securities even quality and making sure that the system doesn't malfunction it's not just like okay there's exploits it's also people making mistakes really in cybersecurity, people are our weakest link um and so that's why awareness um campaigns are very important because it is the person like the number one way um hackers really start campaigns and they get into systems is phishing emails Mm -hmm. clicking links downloading attachments you really want to be aware of that you want to know other ways to get to those sites and you have to teach people to think um, before just clicking something in an email because that could that could lead to you ending up giving them your information or them downloading a malicious package which then will take all of your information you know there's so many things out there um but it's yeah, so for me, it's a way that I feel I can still give it back. And it's an exciting field, too. It's a lot of fun. It's interesting. And it's always changing. You're, you're always having to be on your toes. So that's one reason I was pulled to it, I guess, to answer your question. <laughs> no, that's cool. And, like, you mentioned that you were doing theater before. So in my head, mm-hmm. my immediate question was, huh, I wonder what the similarities and differences are besides the money. You said that you like to connect with people or help people. And I imagine theater sort of has that same feeling. Well, with theater, like that's one thing I like to do. Why I like USECON and all of the work I do with WESA's UH. Uh We, I still get to kind of like stretch those muscles I got from stage management. Like whenever you're like running a conference and things like that. But um, I still appreciate art. Um, And Part of what I get to do with awareness campaigns and I like about it is I still get to stretch my creative muscles. Um, there are still ways you can be creative in technology, 
like I said before, like I really was a person or I am a person who wants to like bring positive change to the world. See, this conversation can go so many ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's fine. Um, no, I'm, I'm actually interested mm-hmm. in all the different things that could go wrong well, just because me, my mind is like that. But it, Well, for yeah. me, and one of the ways that I know that this relates to engineering, um, across the globe, cyber warfare is mm-hmm. a new landscape. Um, and it's been there, but it's definitely been growing. And um, really, there was Stuxnet, uh, which is this like major worm in industrial control systems that um i know a little they don't bit admit about to it but yeah. like it was like the u.s and israel kind of it, and it was like really the start of like the first time we really saw cyber warfare and then it got out of control and it spread across the globe really oh i didn't yeah, know there's details. there's a great um documentary that talks about this huh. um it's called zero days okay I'll look it's that really up. great it talks about it all um yeah. But it was made to target like nuclear systems mm-hmm. and but then it, it spread and it spread throughout the US and um, too, like it spread across the globe. And so people were finding it in their systems across and the US wasn't saying anything because Whoa, it was very secretive. Weird, yeah. They still don't like no officials will talk about this. So a lot of what protection is required to protect our systems is done at the commercial level in corporations who run these systems in companies like my own companies like Sunbridge, Chevron, all of those companies, they, they have security teams because they're having to secure these systems. And, and like, and then we saw like there's Russia and there's, they've really, they took it and ran with it. And we've seen like cyber attacks in Ukraine and other parts of the world where it targeted critical infrastructure. It takes out the electricity. There's APTs, which are advanced persistent threats. Sometimes these are major like groups, like companies like people go to work they hack and they like that's their mm-hmm. job so you're saying and governments are, and terrorist mm-hmm. organizations for lack of a better word or little companies like, yeah okay. yeah because what we saw like an example that everybody's very familiar with is the 2016 elections and um the dnc hacks right mm-hmm. so what we saw from like the reports that came out um, it was APT28 and APT29, which are referred to as um, Fuzzy Bear and um, Fancy Bear. And we've seen those are very active AT- APTs. And we also saw one of them, like over the summer, there was a lot of reports from the FBI telling people to restart their routers and reset mm-hmm. their routers and update their passwords because they were seeing um, one of those APTs also in a lot of different routers. But with advanced persistent threats, what they'll do is that they'll just sit there and they'll stay there. They will develop backdoors into a system. They'll they'll take data and things, but they'll sit there for years. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times you won't they won't be picked up. So like you kind of have to sometimes assume like you're already hacked uh-huh. um, and huh. you have to, you know, deal with work it. that yeah. way. You right, know, right. so it's it's always you're always responding. That's you're just always responding and you're always in different levels of the response. You might be in the management and the risk management and um, vulnerability management phases, but you're also 
always responding. You're always getting phishing emails. You're always getting, you know, so and you're always having to keep your employees aware. And you have the employees who report things, but then you know you have the employees who are still clicking on emails and not reporting emails. Right, right. But with these advanced persistent threats, like we see them, right? And they, they're their own organizations, but they may be associated with like Russian intelligence or, mm-hmm. and there's jokes about like the NSA being America's APT, sure. right. Right? right? You know, so it's, that's, that's how it's being fought. And there's been even reports saying we see this in our industrial control systems and they're sitting there. They maybe have the power to do something, but they don't, they just sit there. They're elevating privileges. They're building in those back doors. They're doing those things, and they're just waiting and they're collecting information. Hmm. You know, so that's what we're dealing with. Right. It's a yeah. It's a new form of warfare, and I know there's parts of the world that is still definitely feeling the old ways. But if we one day like something happens and those kind of systems go down, then we have to be able to respond to them. And so for me, that's where cybersecurity, especially right. industrial control security, is so important. And as we saw, like more and more it's put on the corporations, more and the and the professionals who are out there securing these systems every day, it's more put on us um, to do the response because we saw that even when Sucknet went rogue yeah, yeah. and it was affecting our own systems, our own government didn't really tell us anything. And there's there's all these standards and things, and you have to report up. Mm-hmm. And we would be re- they would be reporting to this reporting agency, and they're just like, well, and so you sometimes you know governments are going to be secretive, and so yeah. you have to corporations and um these entities they have to be able to protect themselves as well Mm -hmm. in order to protect the public there's security and then there's privacy Mm -hmm. and they're separate but they're also very related Mm -hmm. you know the more and more we come to realize, okay, no, data is the property of the human being. It's an extension of the human being. It's not an asset of a company. Like, it is still an asset of a company. I This is one thing, personally. Oh, yeah, yeah, I want to hear your I, opinion on this because this is a big I can't stand, discussion today. Um, is because data, your personal data defines you. It It is you in an extent. Online, that's you. Um so easily you can find people's addresses online just eat like there so much personal information is online and available and you have to actually like google yourself and go through the first few pages and mm-hmm. you'll be like what are all of these sites why why is this all here mm-hmm. and then you have to go through and opt out of it and it takes a really long time they don't make it easy for you but mm-hmm. also there's precedent already set that if a company that promise their their people, their customers and people who signed up for their service, they're never going to sell your data. But then that company goes bankrupt. Mm-hmm. And the, in the courts, they sell off all their assets and they consider the data an asset. Ooh. And so their data still gets sold. Is there an example? I haven't never heard of that. What, like, they taught it. I, 
I would have to look up yeah, the no, exact example, that, but I know there was precedent set on that. So and we cannot guarantee. Because for a guarantee. while, I wanted to like kind of maybe go down a criminal justice uh, route okay, and okay. maybe yeah. help change that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but for me, like I said, the more our society continues to integrate with technology, you can kind of unplug nowadays. But like the things that we've learned. Like our generation, um, the millennials, the early millennials, the people who first, like the kids who first grew up with the internet, right. and how we used to just put everything online. MySpace. All of it. Yeah, Facebook. MySpace. And I had Facebook a Zanga before. back in the day. Oh, wow. I don't know if you know. Anyway. There was so much. Remember my life and things like I never, that? Well, I've oh seen it. God. I wasn't There's on so that many, I, I No, but it's just like there was so much. But that's a good point. There's mm -hmm. this idea of voluntarily putting your data and, and yeah. giving it to another entity. How do you feel about that? Well, I personally have worked so hard to um, over the last, like I've been off of Facebook for like probably over five years now. I, I feel like I should say congratulations because it's hard. I'm, it, I'm not. It was when I decided it was such a freeing thing. It really was the like moment I decided to be like, no more Facebook. Yeah. I, I felt free. And then um, over last year, I then also quit um, Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat. I personally still miss Snapchat. I, I'm about to get a new device. I might be back it's on Snapchat. It's entertaining sometimes. It's just yeah. like, I, I know China collects everything. so And I know <laughs> Snapchat's Wait, partially owned by China. I'm you're, not joking. Right, okay. They collect everything. There's, there's, I've heard jokes. It's like, if you're, if you lose all your data, just China should, China it's just it like somewhere. they have it somewhere. <laughs> um, if it goes through their systems, yeah, they collect so much data. Um, or like data mining and well because they have um they do a lot of censored they do a lot of censorship censorship okay yeah, yeah. so they do so much censorship mm -hmm. um in order to censor things you need to know what's out there so they collect the great firewall of china as they say oh that's okay. great i love that no but i, I, I didn't that, make that, that up someone great. else that's something i read that is pretty much it and you know i've sometimes thought because of um digital forensics and i i've done a lot of digital forensics so far especially uh, when i was working on my master's um you come to understand uh, the other forms of threats that are out there especially to children it's it's painful and it's a hard subject to talk about and people who work um on like child pornography cases they burn out really quickly because it, it's painful sure. and you see red you just, you can't help it. And it's like these people harming children in that sense. And like, there's so much um, technology now out there. Like my mind, I'm like, okay, what are we really doing to protect all of those things? And I, I know China and like that great wall, of, uh, great firewall of China. Like I've, I've thought if there's a way we could even, and I know like the FBI there and like, even you know they're working on finding these people and they do and they they there are good people fighting the good fight out there and i'm so thankful for them but i feel like there's probably more we could do as well and um with just the power of the internet and the power of the malware out there because there's like there's like remote access trojans rats that can you know if you have one on your computer they can like be watching you through your um 
Yeah, the, the, yeah, your yeah, that's why webcam. I, normally I'd put a post-it note on the, yeah. the webcam. Yeah, because, because yeah. without you even knowing. And mm-hmm. uh, there, there's so many things they can do. So it's very disturbing. And then it's Talk, like... Yeah, talking to you is like, all right, I got to go home. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to be an alarmist. <laughs> like, I, I really don't. Um, like, I yeah. know. And the great thing is there's a lot of people out there working to protect people. And, all, and like, that's what I'm saying. There's so much that needs protecting and securing. Mm-hmm. There's so many different vectors. There's so many different landscapes. And um, really the first place you can is at home and understanding those simple steps to protect yourself. What would a typical day look like for a cybersecurity professional, if you can even say that like what because because you talked about the big picture is it that some people might think you're just sitting there in front of a computer coding or investigating like what what does it look like day to day so what's beautiful about a cybersecurity professional there's so much there's so much like there are so many different types of cybersecurity professionals that's what's wonderful about cyber and really um there's still a talent gap. Like we still need more people in cyber and it's going to continue to grow. And there's things from risk management. There's things to incident response. For me, a a typical day and like my, my responsibilities are shifting. So that's exciting. But um, (laughs) for me, so I work within a SOC in a sense. So that's a security operations center, but I kind of have a little less traditional of a SOC. Um, analyst role, um, given the fact that most SOC analysts will come in, there's a lot of support, you're seeing what tickets come in, what different alerts, so you're monitoring different systems, different like IDSs, which are intrusion detection systems, and... These are automated data Yeah, a lot of stuff, like firewalls, and okay. different, there's a lot of different systems out there yeah, that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, help us monitor our networks, and traffic, and find what's going on Uh so for me i'll come in i'll like if there's emails about phishing emails you know i'll have to investigate this phishing emails i'll look at the headers see where they're coming from are they really a phishing email do they really mean is this something that's really serious and then i'm also so i have to communicate that we have a group level so a lot of times you also have to communicate it to other or other parts of the organization you have to follow that due diligence you need to respond to the the end user who reported it and be like okay did you click a link and then if they click you need to respond how you have to respond um but you also want to reinforce the good behavior make sure they delete the email one thing i'm working with um right now is automating that whole system for so from from them like emailing our like emailing us the emails. There's um, a great tool called Novafor that help with simulated phishing. Um, um, hmm. And so you're able to fish your own company. And it's like a little aspect of almost penetration testing, uh-huh. which is also something you can do, which is you're trying to hack your own company. Right, right. You're trying to find the vulnerabilities and where, so you can like patch those places sure. and strengthen those areas and those weaknesses so there's so many aspects but with phishing then you know okay i have about 113 points of failure here like these are 
These are the weak points. That's this is where they're going to click. These are these are the people I'm going to click. I need to make sure these people know not to click. Yeah. Or, is it like a fire drill for it, for email in a way? Like in a way, it's, it's a way to test. Yeah. It brings awareness. Yeah. You know where your company stands. Um, but yeah, you would have to respond to that email. Make sure you reinforce that. There might be other, there's other indicators there's other so there's so many systems we work with so you're monitoring those systems seeing if there's anything that needs to be responded to Um, so that's a very typical day i also do a lot of other things i've worked on policy so you might be writing policy you might be reviewing policy because you want to make sure people are following these policies you might be working in compliance and making sure these controls are being followed and you're checking up on controls you're making sure you're following through on findings of audits. I personally actually like audits. A, a lot of people are scared of audits. Yeah, what would go to on? Me, yeah, so like an audit, they come and see if you're doing your job in a way. And you're following controls put, put in place by governing bodies of the organization. It allows you to see where you can improve. And I, I believe in continuous improvement it's feedback yeah it's feedback and i love feedback and but people can sometimes get a little about audits but i it's a part of the process and it's actually beneficial um so you might be working on control management i work a lot in we use a tool called archer rsa archer and so i've been working on third-party vendor management and the risk management around that so i do work for a big corporation and a lot of big corporations when they are following standards and they are they have controls in place to make sure that they don't like they're mitigating these risks by mm-hmm. implementing controls. And so like a control could be having a strong password, like multiple characters, multiple, you know, that's a simple security control, mm-hmm. making sure that's followed. And there's processes in place that that's followed. People reset their passwords, you know, things like that. And so with risk management, we do a lot of like assessments. So we're ha- we've been building out a solution to manage all of our assessments, get ratings so we can have better visibility. Do we want to continue to do work with this client? Do we want to work with them at all? Mm-hmm. Will they provide more risk than it's worth? Do we need to accept this level of risk? Or is this a great partner, a great vendor that we should work with? Also like NERC and, and internal control. So NERC-SIP is a, is a standard that's very much related to um, industrial control systems. So people all like all around the country use these standards. Uh, they'll, 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 yeah. So it's um, there's a lot of standards out there. There's NIST. There's um, there's so many. Sure. And so it really depends on your corporation. And there's ISO, which is more international. Right. There's a lot out there. So I've worked a lot with that. And so you're working with making sure your policy aligns with some of these frameworks and standards. And then, and like, I I also work with people who work on business impact analysis, who work on disaster recovery, who are working on business continuity, who are working on, you know, there's, there's so much. A lot of what I do is related to GRC, which is governance, risk management, and compliance. I wrote my thesis over integrated grc for drone technology mm-hmm. um wow. so you know but it really it's like once you understand the concept you can apply it to anything and it's just a way to make sure like 
you're governing, you're managing your risk, and you're complying with what you know is going to keep your organization right. safe. That's interesting because you got to mm -hmm. think about all these different technologies and technical things, but you're mm -hmm. tying it always back to this mm -hmm. theme of of protecting people. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, and you're. It's like you're just putting those steps in place to make sure because we're humans, yeah. we make mistakes. That's that's actually a huge part of um, the human part. Is that what you mean? Or well, it's a huge part of security. But yeah, the human part is a human. Like I said earlier, they are the weakness link. Um, <laughs> we are the weakest link of we technology. We are. We really are. Like it's technology, process, and people, and people really. Because it can, we could make a mistake. We can. Get, I read an. I saw a headline the other day. One disgruntled employee. He he oh, was he he got fired I and he that. like isolated, like alienated like over twenty servers. Something like he destroyed. That's what yeah, I saw in the headline. I there don't were know. cloud servers, and he just was like. So they're all gone. They're not in the cloud still. Yeah, or? so they could do that. So you wow. want to make sure you have what's going to happen to him? Is is he going to be part of the criminal justice system as well? Or oh, I'm sure he. The, there's there's so so another fun thing about um, digital forensics, especially on the corporate level, um, when you're in law enforcement, you have to deal with a lot of other kind of cases, but. Yeah. On the corporate level, right, you're right. dealing with the, you'll run across those other cases, which yeah. then you just immediately stop everything you're doing and you call okay. the F, you call 911 and the FBI. Um, but like child if abuse, you, if you see okay. anything, right. any kind of child pornography yeah. at all, yeah, you stop everything you're doing, call the FBI. Right. And usually, if you call 911, local law enforcement doesn't always know what to do. Hmm. Like you should still call 911. You should call your lawyers and you should call the FBI. The FBI is going to be the ones who really respond to it mm -hmm. or who know how to properly respond to it most of the time. Okay. Um, but these other types of like corporate vandalism, we'll say. Oh, theft of intellectual property, uh, okay. things like that. There's actual criminal proceedings for this type of thing. Yes. Okay. Yeah, they they will. Uh, it's not cr so much criminal. So there's, civ there's like civil and okay. criminal. Okay, yeah, yeah. And a lot of that falls under civil. Right. But depending on what you're doing, you sure. <laughs> hey, how because if you're if you're like if you're like um funda funny like stealing money like that you know extortion there's or there's there's so many levels okay. right so um but then on our side you have to make sure that you have a chain of custody you need to make sure you have all of these things in place that the case holds up forensically in court. Hmm. There's a lot of steps on that side as well. There's so much in cybersecurity. It's hey, so much fun. So on, an, on a related note, how do you <laughs> feel about hackers? Now, you, you, there's this idea of hackers doing bad things. And then there's this idea of hackers maybe, maybe doing good things, like the idea of uh, Robin Hood, except in the internet age. So you are all about protecting people. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about these other people outside of the law or outside of the sanctioned um if i can ask you such a question yeah um okay the thing is in a sense we're all hackers but <laughs> okay that was very philosophical <laughs> the friendship was inside of all of, in our hearts all along all, all along right. <laughs> i'm gonna watch this movie but so how, how so um Okay, so especially if you're a cybersecurity professional, you always have your moments. Um, some of us go a little further than others. Hmm. But like 
you find your ways around the system. Right. Yeah, you know anytime, more. Okay. Anytime okay. you've been dealing with a, like a computer system, yeah. any system, yeah. and you're just like, this system is not working for me. Like, I'm going to find a way to circumvent the uh -huh. way it's supposed to. And you figure out a way to do that. Right. That's almost like hacking a system. Like when we jaywalk because we, even though it's illegal kind of thing. Yeah. It's okay. Quicker. So, or, you know, hypothetically, your graduation photos go out and they're wanting to charge you 60 bucks for a digital copy. And you mess with the urls a little bit and you find the photo hypothetically online. this never hypothetically <laughs> it, it's something simple like that huh, now okay and then also like we also have to be hackers at our place so pen testers they're hackers yeah. they're hacking into your systems they're trying yeah. to so there's there's like white hat you know there's right, these, right. you know there's these different there's these different ways like there's you a, might not have a job title but there are people who have these skills yeah, we're so. always like you know there's there's different ways it's this evolved right hmm. but now malicious people with malicious intent and and you know so when they're teaching about hackers they usually are like oh they fall into these like different categories there's hacked hacktivists which are doing it for like political reasons or to embarrass someone or whatever so you hear about anonymous a lot and what they'll do is like deface yeah thing uh different websites or they'll leak information and things like that and they're doing it because they're politically driven another one is just like common criminals sorts who are you know scam artists you know the Nigerian prince, uh, you know, like they're just trying to get money. Mm -hmm. Like as there's different forms of like cybersecurity professionals, there's different forms of hackers. I see what you mean. Or okay. you may be the sort that's out there developing the malware and you're selling the malware. Or you might be the one who are actually like a part of those APTs. Or you're just someone who having fun. In the early days, it was people who were wanting having fun. So you would be like, you would get this message like, oh, you're hacked. But now it gets yeah. it gets further. Or it goes to state actors, right? Governments. Um, so my question is pretty vague. Like oh, it's, oh it's and how do I feel about them? I, I do think about it. Like, I... Is that a fair question? For it me is to ask? a fair question, but I'm also an interesting individual. Like I try, <laughs> I I try to protect people from them, and so. Um, but I also understand, you know, there's there's people who steal because they're trying to make a living. I can't judge too harshly because sure. it's the world we live in, you know. So it comes down to ethics, really. Ethic, it's a question okay. of ethics. Sure. So how do you judge? Ethic. like do when See, you when you go into cybersecurity do you have I to get my phd in oh, philosophy okay. and focus How, on ethics do you have day. to study that if you if when you got your degree or when you work in cybersecurity oh, that's why i think i want to go with it because i want to get my phd well yeah you do you do talk a little bit about ethics because you have to be an ethical person because they're giving you the keys of the kingdom um so it's like are you going to be responsible with that or are you going to turn around and do something malicious with it? Are you going to build in your own back doors? Like, right. like you don't, you want 
it that's up to you that's a personal but i i believe in acting like there's ethical hackers there we go it's actually a term there's ethical hackers so we're ethical hackers like i've had people and it's it's ridiculous and it's it's insulting i've had people who've asked me like oh well can you hack into this person's like account and it's like some ex-girlfriend of theirs or something i'm like you are an terrible person it's like no i i wouldn't do that i wouldn't want to like i wouldn't do that right so it's like at what point are you causing harm right now if you're you're innovative enough and you're finding new ways to do things and you're you know you're like you're creating and you're and there's like there's bug hunts and things like that like bug bounties out there and you're like you're actually helping improve systems you're like hey you have this vulnerability and you know you're doing things like that. that's f- sorry that is rad like that's really cool like yeah. good for you keep on doing what you're doing enjoy yourself there's there's tools out there there's like there's like hack the box right um it's an online platform for penetrate penetration pen testing uh-huh. and it's like there's all these like boxes which are like machines like it's all virtual but you're like trying to like access these things and you're like capturing a flag which a flag is usually like some sort of code okay. and even to get an account you have to like hack interesting to get an invite can high school kids do this or kids yeah and online like there's there's so many guides like you can google google is always your friend okay the first like a lot of them are also online so you can follow them and like be like oh and then you learn so much and also if you have no experience you can use that as experience to get jobs in the industry like there's some managers who like to see that stuff and be like wow you're actually you like doing this um but there's so many different ways to make your way into this industry and do your part and it requires so much and not just one person can do it and a lot of companies only have one person or very small teams and we're seeing it grow more and more and it's funny it's usually after a breach they realize Mm. they needed it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um more and more companies are realizing it so we're going to continue to see it grow but we still have the problem that there's still not enough talent out there You work with yeah. several organizations. One of them is to promote women in cybersecurity. Yeah. So, so what is that and why Women why in cybersecurity at the University of Houston, we UH. Um, it is actually in its first year. Oh. It was founded okay. by a few of my peers um, through my master's. Great people. I love the class of 2018. Um, so, and I was invited to start. So I started off as the founding PR officer and so we really built up this organization and we helped it grow um and then I I graduated and I then transferred over and we've created a board to help with the strategic vision so I'm also the founding chair so it's it's been it's been so exciting and really what I love about WESIS and why it's so great, it is a form of a gift, right? Because you still have to fight, you know, in mm. the industry as a woman to 
get your space, to be heard, to not be siloed into just soft skilled kind of work, but also to get your technical work. Um, it's still a problem that's out there, but we're not shy. Um, and so it's, it's, it's been great. And what's awesome is like, it's given this opportunity for us women. And there's, we also have a male officer, but people to one learn about cybersecurity. Um, we have had different talks. We've, we've had discussions on the soft skills you require. We've had, we've had technical workshops. Also the ones who are involved in it, they're getting valuable like leadership experience. And what I find is like women as leaders, it's sometimes it's hard to find a place that you'll be like fostered, that mm -hmm. that leadership will be fostered. A lot of times strong women in the industry, sometimes, you know, we, we still hit those barriers and sometimes people get intimidated by a strong woman and where maybe a man would be fostered, a woman would be called bossy, you know, or pushy or something like that. Like there's always a negative connotation to women leadership. It still exists. Um, so we're fighting against that. There's such low numbers. It's like between 11, like a longstanding statistic out there was like 11%, but like it has graduates grown. Graduates or, or working professionals? Or? Women in cybersecurity. Okay. Yeah, that's Make lower than engineering. 11% to like 22%, like yeah. around like. Wow. But for sure less than 20, like less than 30% of the industry is women. Um, a lot of companies out there have set goals to have like their workforce, like 25, 50% of women by X amount of time, but it, it's like, it's still a fight. And so this is a place where we can fight for that. Um, it's a place where we can take that vision, create a network and it's for everyone. It's, it's a professional organization, but it's also a place where we can, we can take our ideas and work together and make them grow. So like the young woman who followed in my footsteps in the PR position, she has been doing such great work and it's now allowed me an opportunity to now mentor. So I even get, a, so I'm able to help her and nurture her development, which I really want to do. And then I have so many goals for this organization. I've I was lucky enough that a lot of my education was funded. So, and I was raised to pay things forward. So one of the things I also love about WESIS is that now we have the power to create our own scholarship funds if we want to and create scholarships and also help mm -hmm. um, support like women in the industry and like giving scholarships so education can continue. Um, so there's, it gives us power. It's very empowering. It gives us opportunities to work in our leadership in a safe environment. In a, you get to celebrate with other people your achievements, and that it creates a sense of community, and it's really great. And then also, you always have people. It's like if you're looking for jobs, and mm -hmm, it helps mm -hmm. with that, and it creates connections. And when it comes to looking for jobs, these type of organizations are so valuable. Like the job I found now, I found through another organization, but going to meetups and 
being a part of the community. And I know like with the work I've also done with Houston SecCon, like if I really wanted a, if I really needed a position, I know there's people I could turn to and be like, hey, and they would be like, yeah, because right. we know your work ethic. We know like you create quality um, work. So this is a place to be able to do that, but also promote a cause that I feel so strongly about. And every time I go through something that women have to go through all the time that's really frustrating and tiring I realize this is why I fight for this I go through the hard things now so the women who follow after me and people who follow after me don't have to it's sometimes a struggle it's sometimes hard but it's what we do to make the world a better place humans one of the things that we get and how we're all different is also that we all have different perspectives so we can all look at a situation and a problem differently and come up with different ideas and so when we work together that's when it's beautiful and where we really develop the best ideas now i know you mentioned you wanted to hear about my learning disabilities well, I, mean, I, I love talking about it but because sure, it, it, we didn't record any of that earlier but we were oh. talking before <laughs> No, that's cool. So it's like it's just all it's of a sudden. No, but um, so no, you we were talking earlier, yeah. and people listening wouldn't know this, but you're working professional now in cybersecurity. But you talked about how you mm -hmm. were diagnosed with dyslexia. Oh yeah, up. so I have dyslexia and Erlen syndrome. Okay, this is a start. Um, <laughs> yeah, so those those are like um. I found out, I want to say in fifth grade, my mother, she had to fight my whole, like all throughout elementary because uh -huh. both of those are very genetic and she knew uh, my biological dad had dyslexia. So, okay. and I had signs. Yeah. So she, she fought with so many of my professors. Was this in Texas or? Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, not professors. See, I've been in, I've been in university <laughs> too long. I call all teachers professors. Um, no. So she, she had, she really struggled, struggled until she met my fifth grade teacher. Mm -hmm. She was a big advocate for a lot of students. Um, and she helped a lot of students because she would see the signs, like simply just how you hold your pencil can be a sign um and she was very aware of it and she would really fight for us kids to get tested mm -hmm. um because accommodations can make a world difference um so yeah and i found out i had Erlen syndrome which runs on my mom's side so most of my family on my mom's side I'm pretty sure has it so that's like a it's another perceptual disorder but like you perceive a lot of light and ways that it affects learning is because with reading when you're reading a book a lot of times like the background's more prominent than mm -hmm. the letters so you'll start seeing the snakes in the lines so if you're looking at a page of words all of the gaps in between the words that's what you're seeing mm -hmm, mm -hmm. more than just the words so right. you have that and then with dyslexia then you get the moving of the letters and all of that anyway it wasn't a fun time last year yeah like it, it it was it was very interesting. I had to work really hard at my reading and writing through school. I, I was like naturally gifted in math and science. So that was always very easy for me. But like with writing, it was hard. Like I still can't spell. I'm so thankful for autocorrect and our <laughs> being in this in this age. Yeah. Else I would be so it would be bad. Um, 
now I love writing. I because I had to work at it so hard. It became something I became really good at and I grew to love. Like I actually write in my free time. Like I I I wrote a thesis. I I love my I love when I get to write. I'm right. Yeah, so it's you know, so you really can do anything and especially with dyslexia like um and I, I wanted to be an astrophysicist once. <laughs> I've wanted to do everything. Mm. <laughs> um, so Einstein was a big um, model for me in that sense because he was also dyslexic. And so it's like it doesn't – for me, it because they're like – changes in the brain i literally perceive the world differently i literally see things differently my brain has to process like i think this is how i read it once like everything that my eyes are taking in my body my mind can't fully process it all so it has to prioritize and so it's like i'm you know i i just see things differently i literally do so then you have a different perspective and like we're all different and just it, and so I, I love it. Like I, I don't want to. I wouldn't want to be different. Um, it would be interesting to be. But then I, you know, I was born this way, and so I love it. And I, and though it's hard sometimes for kids, I know, I still graduated top ten percent of my class, and I had to fight with my teachers to get my accommodations. And I still chose not to go forward with accommodations in university. Which, you know, sometimes it was hard and you have to remind yourself, yeah, you have this. So, yeah, maybe this is a little harder right now, but you're still a rock star and you still get through it. So for hmm. those kids, it it is difficult. It does mean you're different, but there's nothing wrong with being different. That's what I stop you from yeah. doing these different things. And the great thing. No, no, it it. It just provided, like like I said, I like challenges. And it's a lot of time has allowed me to see things differently. Or I think I've been able to see things differently. And it's just because, like, we live in a world that, like, if everyone, like, things would be different. There would be, like, more audiobooks and things like that. And you would just learn differently, like... But I'm also a daughter of a teacher. And okay. so I, you know, and my mom, she, I'm so thankful to her because she knew everyone learns differently. And she, she raised two kids with learning disabilities, um, myself and my brother. My brother also has Erlen syndrome. And so, yeah, it, it definitely, yeah, but it, it, it's nothing to think is bad. Sure. But I, I definitely, I know things have changed. There are more teachers who are open to it. And I've had to change schedules, though. I've sometimes had teachers that are notoriously known for not providing accommodations. And I've had to change my educational plans for it, which is upsetting that a student would have to do that. But times are changing and people are becoming more aware of it. Like I said, Einstein was also dyslexic there's so many people who are dyslexic and so it's really we're not that different i wonder if the struggle of of being the minority amongst people who might not understand you if that changes your level of empathy i guess and i'm wondering if that is playing into why you want to be i have a strong sense of empathy but that could just be how it would be anyway Yeah. (laughs) yeah um that's one thing that's 
it's it's about compassion, right? Empathy is also about having compassion and understand. And a a key to compassion is um, understanding we're not alone. We're all going through it. Um, suffering, which sometimes it leads to, like it it gives you a stomach ache and headaches to read. Yeah, it's a form of suffering sometimes, especially if you're having to study long, long hours. I remember when I did honors humanities, Oof. I had to read a book. Yep. Less than every two weeks, and it was thick. Like that gives me headaches. It without, was antiquity yeah. philosophy. <laughs> I, there would be paragraphs from the bottom of the page at the top of the page. I couldn't make out a single word. Your favorite class, night. I'm sure. Yeah. I couldn't make out a single word. I still pulled an A and a B out of it. Like it. You don't want to compare yourself to other people. Um, that never helps. But no. Like your own achievements are your own still, and they're just as glorious. What's beautiful about everything is that if we can accept that we're all different and take that to strengthen us, because then, like I said about perspective and approaching these problems and having multiple choices to choose from, that's where we get the strength um, in our diversity. So... Yeah. All right. No, that, that answers the question. <laughs> Thank you. All right, we've been going a while. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, you want to say who you are one more time? Uh, yeah. So this is this was Nicole Bashong. Um, cybersecurity. Cybersecurity in Houston. Yeah, in Houston. Um, human being, always. <laughs> That's a perfect title. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Links to different topics, tools, and news that Nicole mentioned today are in this episode's show notes. Thank you not only to Nicole Bashong, but also thanks to the donors to this show on Patreon who make the podcast possible. The K-12 Engineering Education Podcast is a production of Pios Labs, and if you want to help support Pios Labs, point your browser to patreon.com slash Labs. Or find this link and more at the show website, newly updated, at k12engineering.net. Check out the new website. That address, again, is k12engineering.net. Thanks, listeners. Tune in next time.